0: It's the tangible presence of God. We feel the presence of the because He He is manifesting Himself in a way to to strengthen what we're receiving in our spirit. Well, the enemy tries to manifest a real feeling to go with that attack, to make that depression is a real thing. And it's spiritual. The enemy will bring that depression and bring the heaviness and the, the, the weight of that feeling. But that we put on the garment of praise. For this. That's how we resist that depression. That's how we resist that heaviness. We have to do a spiritual action of a garment of praise to resist that heaviness, that feeling that the enemy is trying to bring with the attack. The We's translation of verse nine of First Peter five says, Stand immovable against his onset, solid as a rock in your faith. We've got to stand and resist the enemy. Ephesians chapter six, verse eleven. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means strategies, plans, or schemes. It is the word um, methodos, which talks about a road like... An odometer measures a road. That word odos is is referring to a road. The enemy is trying to get a road into our life through our thinking, through our actions. That's his strategy, his plan, his scheme is to get a road, a traveling on a road into our life. Because if he can get a road into our life, he can get other things into our life. Pastor was uh, writing the book, Refusing Our Care, Refusing the Care. And in that book, the Lord, the reason he wrote that book was in his time of studying, the Lord said, when a person worries, they prop the door open for other things to come into their life. It's a door, it's a road. And if the enemy can get a road, he can get artillery into your life. He can get his, his... Uh, get his troops in behind the, the lines. That's what he's aiming for. He's trying to get a road. And so it says here in this verse, it says we stand against the wiles, the schemes, the strategies, the plans that give him a road into our life. We are able to stand against. Notice in verse 12 how many times the word against is used. It's not just for dramatical effect. It is for emphasis. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The word against is a word that means face-to-face, close contact We wrestle face-to-face against powers, against principalities, not to cause us any fear. We, We do not fear a defeated foe. We already know the victory that we have, but we know we're enforcing. We are here to enforce the victory. We are here to maintain the victory. Hallelujah. So we stand face to face in close contact. And in that, we are able to stand and win against all. He goes on to say, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. So, This standing is a victory stand. It is a stand. The word means to make firm, to fix, to establish, to sustain the authority or force of anything, to stand ready. I like that. sustain the authority or the force of anything. Stand, maintaining your authority. Stand enforcing your victory. Hallelujah. It goes through different elements of our equipment. And instead of using the imagery, I want to emphasize the actual forces that are available to help us stand. It says stand therefore with righteousness with the gospel of nothing missing nothing broken with faith and through faith you will be able to quench all the fiery flaming missiles of the enemy with your, with salvation that soteria means rescue the rescue of God, the salvation of God with the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. So we are equipped with righteousness, with salvation. We are equipped with faith. We are equipped with the the good news of nothing missing, nothing broken, the good news of restoration. We are equipped with the forces of God to withstand everything that the enemy could uh, launch against us but we have to be In the position of standing. Galatians chapter 5 talks about our part of that position. Our part of that standing. Look at me with uh, uh, Galatians 5. Let's begin in verse uh, 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What would be the reciprocal of that? Walk in the flesh, and you will not fulfill the desires or the impulses of the Spirit. It is our our choice and our responsibility to choose to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. By default, if you are walking in the Spirit, you don't even have to fight your flesh. You don't have to make it a struggle. It doesn't have to be a big deal. If I make my emphasis walking in the spirit, by default, I won't give in to the things that my flesh would prompt me to do. Why? Because I'm strengthened and and accurate in my walk in the spirit. So walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires, the cravings of the flesh, now we're going to learn something about our flesh. We all have flesh. We have it. We need to keep it crucified, and that means don't give it place. Don't give it. Don't give it um, practice. Don't let your flesh have practice all week and then try to to put it down on Sunday. No, I, every day I put my flesh under. Every day. I say we're going to walk in love every day. I don't, I don't get to just practice unforgiveness all week long and fighting and, and, and criticizing. And then, oh, it's Sunday. I can't be critical today. I got to be nice today, right? No, I got to be nice every day. Be kind one to another. It's scripture, right? Be kind. Be kind. So it says here, the flesh lusts. That word Usually, everybody just puts it over into a sexual connotation, and then they miss the emphasis of what's being taught. So let's, let's bring it over, and let me give you a definition. The flesh constantly has a strong desire to suppress the spirit. I wonder if that's the amplified. I've got it written here as it might be the weast or the amplified. Show me the amplified of seven, 17. The desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And, and another translation says, the desires of the flesh constantly wants to suppress the Spirit. So your flesh doesn't want to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to lift up your hands in church. Your flesh doesn't want to uh, um, read your Bible Your flesh doesn't want to be nice to somebody who pulls over out in front of you in the road. Your flesh doesn't want to wait in line and be nice about it while you're waiting, right? But your spirit, yes, your spirit wants to pray. So who's hitting the snooze button? Is that your flesh or is that your spirit? Don't raise your hand, just think about it. So after three times of hitting the snooze button, who got the practice? The flesh got the practice in, in the choice, and who made the choice? Every time I'm saying, I don't want to get up, I don't want to get up, I don't want to get up. What we're saying is, I'm gonna let my flesh win that one. I'm gonna let my flesh win that one. When you follow your husband through to get the last through the house to get the last word in the argument. That wasn't your spirit. Your spirit was saying, soft answer, soft answer. Come on, give him a soft answer that turns away wrath. Why are you following him into the other room? Right? The flesh has a strong desire to put the spirit down, to suppress the spirit, to not give the spirit the opportunity to respond correctly. But the spirit has a strong desire to put the flesh down. So when we choose to walk in the spirit, we are opting to put the flesh under. Nope, my flesh isn't going to answer this phone call. My flesh is not going to answer that question. My flesh isn't going to make that purchase. My flesh isn't going to to lead me down that avenue of action that's going to cause the enemy to get a road into my life. Do Do you see our connection here? Because what the enemy's after, after you and I doing something that he can act on. And God's looking for us to do something he can act on. Our actions are going to either initiate the activity of God or the activity of the enemy in our life. We choose. We choose. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll have God working on your side. You'll have his angels at, 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 at activity in your life you'll have the Holy Spirit involved in the situation. But when we find ourselves yielding to the flesh and letting the flesh make the decision and letting the flesh lead us in a way that's going to uh, open the door for the enemy, then to, for us, at that point, for us to get back to a place of victory, we're going to have to repent. We're going to have to confess where we missed it. So God is... Full of grace to forgive us, but if we don't acknowledge that we've sinned, He can't apply the forgiveness. The grace isn't there if I don't, the grace is there, but I have to activate it the same way I had to activate it to get saved. I had to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. When I sin, I have to go say, Lord, I missed it. I sinned. Forgive me. And I receive that blood of Jesus that cleanses me and and restores and that that flow of righteousness in my life so when we understand and resist from the onset the temptation that the enemy is trying to move us to do because the devil don't want you to know it's him attacking you he doesn't want you to know that he never comes and says hey I want to get all the credit for what I'm about to do in your life. So let me tell you, it's me, the devil, and I'm, I'm bopping on your head. I'm banging at your door. I'm knocking around. I'm trying to tempt you to do this. No, he wants you to think it was your idea. He wants you to think that, that it was somebody else's fault. He, he doesn't want you to know it's him because he doesn't want to be uncovered. But we recognize anything that is aiming at my right standing, any temptation, anything that is trying to draw me away from my walk with God, the enemy is behind it and I will resist it. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary or against or opposing each other so that the things you cannot do the things that you would. We talked about that at the beginning. Doing things that you like, why did I do that? I know better than to do that. Why did I buy that? I know, I, am I, why do I have that in my life? Why did I watch that? Doing things that you don't want to do. You didn't want to do it, but why did you do it? I was tempted. I was, just had this feeling to do. I just had this, this desire, this, this, have y'all ever eaten anything? And you're like, why did I eat that? Why did I eat that at 9 o'clock? Lily and I will have that conversation. We'll stop, and we'll be like, I'm hungry. Well, let's stop and get something. And then we're like, why did I eat that at 9 o'clock at night? By the time we get home from church on Sunday night at 9 o'clock, why did I do that? And I'm like, why did I do that? Because a thought came, and I followed that thought. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Resist. The thought is how the enemy presents the temptation. Notice it says here, if you are led of the spirit, verse 18, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which means no restraint, idolatry, witchcraft, it's the word pharmakia, and so drug addiction is, is included in, in that list, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now, now look at that. Murder? That's blatant sin, right? But it's a work of the flesh. It's a sin, but it's a work of the flesh. So, yes, it was a sin spiritually, but my flesh had to be involved to do it. Do you see how we're we're recognizing it's it's there are sins that I can do with notice envyings. Envying is something you do in your heart. It's a work of the flesh and it's a sin. Drunkenness that's a, an an action taken but it's a sin. It's a work of the flesh revelings, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. You got hatred in there with murder. Hatred in there with, with, with uh, adultery. Like, say, well, I'm not a sinner like that person who committed adultery. Yeah, but they've hated. So God's got them in there, right? It's still in the list. And then it says, and such like. In other words, this isn't the whole list. This isn't the whole list. This is, just, this is just, you know, like the top part of the list. This is just hitting the high points. But there are actions of the flesh that cause us to violate a walk in the word that puts us in a place where our righteousness with God is, is hindered because we've acted in a way that requires repentance. Hallelujah. That's what the enemy's after. That's what the enemy's after. To put to put us in a place, we're not, we're not ignorant of him. We're not lacking knowledge of his devices. James chapter 1, and I'm going to close with this, and we'll let the ushers be prepared after we read this scripture. We're going to We're going to settle some things in the Spirit. James chapter 1, verse 14. Oh, let's begin in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. We're all going to have temptation, and it's going to come in different ways for each of us, and I'll show you why. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God's not the tempter. There's a difference between being tried, where he he tried the faith of Abraham it, it wasn't a temptation of Abraham. He gave Abraham the opportunity to walk out his faith and to to display his faith in his actions. That was God. And then God said, "Because I have seen that you will obey me, because I have seen that you have given your only son." That was not a temptation of Abraham. That was. And an opportunity for him to walk out his faith. This temptation is what the enemy does. And the, uh, the, mo- the main desire or the reason for the temptation is to draw us away from God. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own cravings and enticed that's why the enemy's studying us because what might entice you might not entice me chocolate cake i can't have a whole chocolate cake in my house just like let's i'll take a piece but don't leave the cake and me alone in the house it talks to me like from it, it, i yeah I thought it was wild. My daughter said, Mom, get the Dawn dishwashing detergent. Eat what you want. Put the dishwashing detergent on the rest. I'm like, if I throw it in there, I'm not going to pull it out of the trash can. She goes, Mom, trust me. Put the dish detergent on it. I mean, because you could just walk by with your fork and just get a bite. And then the next time you walk through, just stop and get another bite. Right? And the next time, just don't even get it in the house. Here, make enough for what we need, and then it's not necessary. So what entices you might not entice me. What entices me may not entice you. But the enemy's studying to find out what is it that's going to, that he can use to draw us away. But if I'm not yielding to my flesh, if I'm walking in the Spirit, then whether it's chocolate cake or Budweiser or, or whatever I'm not tempted why because I'm dead to that I'm not I'm cutting that off I'm not I'm not motivated by cravings I'm not motivated by natural desires I'm motivated by who I am in Christ and who he is in me and I love God And I don't want any of those natural things to have a place in my life that can can draw me away and provide a foothold for the enemy in my life. So notice he says that people are tempted when they are drawn away of their own cravings. Didn't we start with a scripture that told us to put off that person? If we do that, and I've put on the new man in Christ then those old cravings, it's like having a remote control to a TV that's not connected to. You can bring your remote control in my house and you're not moving my TV channel because your remote doesn't work on my TV. And the devil can come with all his remotes and he's pressing the buttons, but it doesn't work anymore because I'm not that person. I'm disconnected from your remote control. He can't draw me away if those cravings are not something he can use. It says, when lust or cravings have conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't miss this, is what he's saying. Don't, don't get wrong. Don't, don't think that temptation is from God. It's not from God. It's from the enemy, and he's trying to draw you away with cravings so that he can put you in a position where you are are drawing back from God. Look where it says in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. The word filthiness means things that defile or dishonor lay them aside, lay them apart, and superfluity. I've never used that word in my life till I started reading the Bible, superfluity. Morgan, do you use superfluity? I mean, you just picked that one up and, it, Dad, I think we have a little bit of superfluity overflowing from the, the superfluity. No, so I better give you a definition to help you today, okay? It means a residue of things left over from your life before conversion. A residue of things left over from your life before Christ. It says we've got to lay those things apart. We've got to lay those things apart. I've made some references today to alcohol because many of you are aware of the fall of a a leader In the body of Christ, who had a lot of exposure uh, because of the reach that their ministry had, and that fall came as a result of an open door that came through alcohol and led him, gave him, gave the enemy an advantage of a foothold in his life that has caused the not just this man who has led this ministry all these years, but all of the people who in the churches worldwide that have been established as a result of that ministry and the people who have sang the songs that came out of that ministry. And we pray for our brother and for all of our brothers and sisters affected by that fall. And the choices that have hurt so many people. But we recognize that's the enemy's plan. He does not have to have that play out in the lives of people. Amen? One of the reasons that Pastor and I joined ourselves to Pastor Caldwell, of course, the the Lord said, follow his faith. But even before that, we saw a stability, and a longevity in their ministry. We had been associated with another ministry that had a worldwide influence but didn't have the stability. It's like a shooting star. They they rose to a place of prominence. And the difference between the integrity in that ministry and the integrity that we found when we encountered Pastor Caldwell was like night and day. It was like a child versus an adult. And we saw in their ministry the heart of a pastor, the heart of a shepherd who loved God and loved the people of God and would lay down his life, He said, knowing that Pastor Caldwell preaches and believes in prospering, he said, it would hurt more people than it would benefit for me to drive a Rolls Royce in Little Rock. He said, maybe someone who lives in California can pull up to their church in a Rolls Royce, but I would hurt my people by giving an emphasis on something Teaching them to prosper, but teaching a balanced prosperity. Teaching a balanced prosperity. Do you, do you see the heart? That he was he could have. But he, he recognized that's not going to benefit as many people as it would hurt. The integrity of people who have walked with God, and their longevity is what we want to give our attention to. We want to recognize how our enemy works, but we want to also look and see there are people who have walked with God and never had scandal in their ministry. There are, there are saints who have walked with God and never had, had a falling out, uh, never had scandal in their marriage. Never, never. Why? Because they were able to do what we're talking about today: walking in the light of the Word and maintaining a victory over the enemy, and doing the work of God on the earth that we're supposed to do without without falling. That's what we want. That's what we want. Can I give you one more? Please let me let me share what God has placed in my heart. Hebrews five. This is us. This is where we are. Verse 14. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use, using the word, reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We are those spiritually mature. Our church here in this campus is at a place where we are equipped in this church family with more people who have passed that adolescent stage in their walk with God and are equipped to disciple. We we are at a place where God can bring people in who need to be discipled, and we have people who are at a level of spiritual maturity and understanding to help disciple them. That's the plan for the local church, for the church family. That's the plan of God for the family. And in the same way that the requirements or a standard was given from Paul to Timothy for people who are going to be in leadership, that's not just for the leader of the church to have a standard. That's the standard that the leader is setting for all, for all of us in the church. Pastor doesn't live by one standard of excellence and say, well, he's pastor. Of course, he can't drink, but I can be a sipping saint. Not in walking victory, you can't. Not without opening a door to the enemy. Not without feeding your flesh. It's not your spirit, Hallelujah. Pastor is living a standard to show us how to live it, to show us how to walk in it. A standard of moral excellence, a standard of spiritual strength. We're all called to that. Not just the leaders, not just the people on the platform, not just the people standing in the pulpit. We're all called to that because we are influencers of God's people. We are influencers of babies, Spiritual babies are going to come in this church and they're going to see our walk with God and they're going to grow. Christy, where would you be if it hadn't been for the influence of of the people of God, the Marie Price's in your life, to be a light shining to you, to be an emphasis of it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, you grew up in a situation of chaos, but you found out life doesn't have to be chaos.